This is the Educational Triage Podcast. Welcome. We invite you to come along with us on an exploration of interviews, issues, and other exciting and relevant topics in education, especially alternative education. They say alternative education is a laboratory for mainstream education. Why? Well, join us every week and listen in as Philip Summers and I, Tony Hunt, jump in feet first to discuss issues that may affect our classes, students, communities, as well as our teaching. Please subscribe if you enjoy and find relevance in what you experience here. And if you haven't left a quick review, please do. We appreciate your candor and insights so we can improve as we move forward. Now, let's see what's on board today. And welcome back, everybody. It's great to see you or be planted in your ear again this week for another rousing episode of Educational Triage. Philip, how are you doing? Aloha, I'm doing well. Oh, good. In your ear, I thought that. I think that was a happy day's insult. I'm not sure. The sit on it was, but I ended up in your ear. Was it? In your ear. In your ear is an insult, I thought. So. Oh. It might have been. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if you were doing a wet willy or something like that. Oh, those were awful. I, one yeah. person did that once. It was horrifying. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week we're going to look at community involvement in building a great alternative program slash school. Last week, we talked about leadership, um, and we covered a lot of territory on that, but there are still things that are going to be coming up as we go through where we're going to mention um, maybe some other epiphanies that we have as we go along. Um, But anyway, community and the community involvement, and we talked about parental involvement at some point. We talked about how to build a community. Well, we're going to bring in the community. And so if you're going to have an alternative program, one of the things that you're going to be lacking is resources. And one of the best resources that you have is usually right outside your front door. And the first one, Phelps flashing me with some kind of a disco ball or something. It's my granddaughter's toy. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Um, one of the, one of those are the businesses that are out there and a lot of businesses are just jonesing for people to go to work for them because they cannot find enough skilled labor out there. They cannot find people who are interested in those fields. And that can include the STEM that can include the trades that may include business. It could include a ton. So, um, if we are going to start something, then we also want to involve the businesses so that we can bring kids in. If we have second language learners, we can use those as translators, and that would actually reinforce a lot of the work that they're doing in the school, and it would help bolster everything. So, And there are a lot of businesses who need translation. Uh, Even the government offices need something like that. You know, I mean, there are really endless ways to involve businesses. So I'm going to now open up our floor for discussion, Philip, because um, let's go. I want to start off with businesses and we talk about careers and students never seem to know what they want to do. 
if they're going to major in something in college or what they're going to do once they graduate. So how do we involve businesses into our community school? Businesses are, um, I know the school in Indiana, I believe, um, but I, I was doing some work lo looking into um, how like uh, intelligence, multiple intelligences work mm -hmm. in, in, in education. And it originally had the, the eight and things like that. But the, we've since learned there's multiple ways of, of interpreting right. multiple intelligences. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Anyway, um, so they had ways of going into uh, vocations in sort of pods. And if I recall correctly, they, it was in four week pods you had um, uh, an ex experiential piece and then a classroom piece, and they were divided up in, say, a medical. And so it was near a medical facility, and so kids were, I think they were shadowing in certain departments where they could shadow and working mm -hmm. with medical professionals. Uh, and then another phase of it was working with um, fire departments and that medical aspect, the emergency medical aspect. I think one was in construction. Another four-week phase was in construction, and they were required to do construction-type stuff um, and mathematics stuff. Everything was, um, of course, you know, based and grounded in all the subjects, and that was the school part. So if you were doing the medical, of course, um, I, have, I have a background as being a paramedic, you know, learning drug doses and mm -hmm. how to titrate that through the drips and things like that is not too easy. <laughs> it involves a little math, and if you screw up, bad things can happen, so... The kids weren't doing things like that, but they were doing the math for it. And, and, and with construction, that's obvious. I think there, uh, there were ones in design um, and civil service. They were working at the uh, city government mm -hmm. and doing internships down there and seeing how that was going together. Uh, incidentally, I was working with a fifth grade class today as a guest teacher, and they had a whole unit where they were uh, a business and they were putting together, um, putting together a loan package and trying to get funding and, mm -hmm. and uh, advertisement, which is interesting. But yeah, you know, grown up stuff. And this was a middle school, eighth grade oh, school. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And there the kids are... had a taste of that stuff and they had to actually go through it. Yeah. Well, there are a number of programs throughout the country, a number of schools where they're actually making things work and that they can do it with the businesses. In Massachusetts, um, they have vocational technical schools and they're a national model. And they actually have a publication that is called Hands-On Achievement, Massachusetts National Model Vocational Technical Schools um, through the Pioneer Institute of Public Policy Research. And it's, it's really kind of, for me, it's heartwarming because, as you know, my last nine years I spent in uh, career in career education in a sense where yeah, you had sent, that tight thing. Yeah. That, right. That we, close we, connection with internships. Was it right? We basically. sent kids out on internships where they yeah. would learn more about the business and possibly get a job or maybe it actually, um, gave them a direction in which to go mm -hmm. and, or it also taught them where not to go. <laughs> I was going to say where not to go. Yeah. Which is um, important too. Well, I'll, you know, and then when they did, some of them were in um, working with tiny tots and they were also working with teachers in schools. And that almost worked as a really good um, birth control for many of them. <laughs> so it's, it's, it gets you real know, quick. <laughs> it does. So, you know, yeah. I mean, it has many sides and, and while some people may not appreciate the humor of that, um, mm. there really is 
it it, it really did make good impacts and well, it felt we were positive. in programs with teen parents i i worked in one for many mm-hmm. years were, we had teen parents so yeah and so some of the problems that we ran into though were with construction we were we were in the middle of a huge construction project um at our building and i reached out to the company and asked them if we could get a couple of kids in on the construction end of it and with mentors just part-time and all of a sudden I received calls for these kids who really just wanted to get their hands dirty. They wanted to get in there. And I was thinking that they were just going to be ditch diggers to start, you know, I mean, real remedial rudimentary kinds of beginnings to construction. Here's a shovel kid. And this guy calls me and he says, yeah, I've got, I've got these, I've got a computer for them. I said, what does he need a computer for? He just needs a shovel or something, right? He says, what are you talking about? And so we started talking and he was given the impression that we were looking for engineering student placement. Holy cow. And I I said, no, I said, I don't have any kids right now who would fall into that. I can find out from the engineering teacher whether or not there might be some kids who might be interested in that. Maybe we can do that. But um, I said, I just need this. And he said, I'm not sure the union will allow it. And, of course, the union said, no, there was no way we could get them in there. And we tried. Yeah. And so that happened a lot of times when I came up with an idea. It just mm-hmm. couldn't. They said no. Some Somebody said no. Yeah. Uh. And so, you know, when you run into national corporations, when you run into a lot of these things, you mm-hmm. don't you aren't really able to get into um really can't get the kids in through the front doors in order to work in some of those businesses. Mm. Um, Even though you might be able to brainstorm and come up with some ideas of what the kids might actually be there for and how they could teach them and how they could handle them. Um, The the neighboring school district from ours, in fact, the one that I live in, they have huge partnerships with uh, Tektronix. They have partnerships with Nike. They, they run all kinds of, internships at their with their career institutes and they're able to do that so it is possible it's just that you have to get the right people with the right affiliations we did have and we did have manufacturing um reach out to us and so we put kids into the manufacturing and they were allowed to actually go out there and do some things um we have there's ways to get around that if you can have the students produce something on their end then they can get a lot of freedom on that side. Uh, for example, um, well, one of the programs actually I worked with, I didn't work in this program, but they had a garden and they had mm-hmm. uh, worked on a couple of plots of land, but they mm-hmm. finally kind of settled, I think, on a really good plot of land, got settled, was great, great produce, sold it, um, turned it into a business, um, managed the business side of it, managed the gardening side of it. It was very conscientious. They had some teachers that were, uh, you know, advising it all. And there's also, I knew somebody in 3D printing and using maker stuff, um, you know, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with maker stuff, but 3D printing, that's like decals. Um, there's ways to engineer materials to create really high end art. These kids can learn to do through computers and, and maker materials mm-hmm. and robotics, things like that. So you can create these things, you get a lot more freedom instead of going to the lab 
that the company would own because they got the right. insurance to think about and they're not teachers per se. So they right. wouldn't know how to deal with the kids, but we can do it. So, yeah. Yeah. And if the school has something to, for the, to train the kids so that the kids can yeah. go in there with some semblance of knowledge and a yeah. background. So, maybe bring the people into you guys. That would right. Be helpful and too. so if you can establish those mentorships with the internships or even just be able to bring people in to work with your students, there was a time when Intel would come out and they would work with um, schools mm -hmm. and they would and, and they would partner with the schools and they would teach them about how to build a computer mm -hmm. and do the interior work of the computer. And there were um, little kits that the kids got. And so that was kind of cool. But cool. I'm not sure whatever happened to that. Well, but, we had that know, whole thing over in that one district where they just build computers out of other computers and then right. disseminate them all over the district. And those kids were, eh, as you would think, pretty exclusive and kind of mm -hmm. nerdy, but they all learned a ton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they were really smart kids. Oh, they they yeah they do pretty well and um i'm just thinking it doesn't it doesn't have to be tech it doesn't have to be something mm -hmm. like that it could be something else it could be I, anything really yeah right i got myself involved with some different community organizations of different businesses where they went in and i would go in and i would pitch and say here's what i do here's what i would like i just want people to come in and talk to my kids mm -hmm. and run something and so they did. And we they learned about money marketing management. They learned about um, real estate. They learned all kinds of different businesses. So it kind of wetted their whistle in a sense. Yeah. And got them going with that. But it also brought in goodwill on the part of the business. And it also let us let them know that we existed because this was a small program. And the kids didn't really get out that much. But still, yeah. even in a regular high school, there is always some way that businesses want to partner with the schools, but they're not really sure how to do it. So mm -hmm. this yeah. year, I believe that my predecessor, not my predecessor, my successor, is running a beauty school component after school for, for kids who want to do it grades 10 on up and this way they can start working towards earning a certification in cosmetology or something and it's through the local beauty school and so who's going to come in and they're going to teach the kids on the days when there's actually an activities bus to bus them at the end of the day um past the time that regular school does so the kids can still receive transportation home and they oh. can do this, and this would be free, but they have to be committed to it. So just doing that, because, you know, people need people. They need bodies. We still have a lot of businesses that are looking for people. And so it's not just the people who are going to be stocking the shelves and running the cashier, um, being, yeah. being the cashiers, et cetera. Well, you could do that. The police also, uh, there are some ride-alongs you can go on. Uh, depending on your age, I don't believe that if, unless you're over 18, you can go on a ride along well, with you can. Um, a duty officer. I don't know. Maybe you, you can. can. Okay. There, good. there are, to know. but there, but, um, you, if yeah. you check with your local police department, there are certain things, but there are yeah. also, there are also certain commitments that have to be made. And one of certainly. those is a GPA and there are some other oh, obligations. Excellent. So, yeah. There's a certain amount of uh, requirements they have, but 
they also know how to do it. And that was my point. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of uh, agencies and businesses that have set up uh, education departments. You know, they, they actively know about how to do this, uh, but there are some that don't. Um, those are the ones, the connected ones, the small ones, the ones where you go, hey, you know, maybe like you did, you go out there and go, you know, can maybe my students work with you? Those are the ones that, you know, we don't know about. And mm -hmm. so they don't have the departments. And so the educators have to be able to kind of take the liaison role or even maybe the lead role, probably the lead role, really, and, and make sure that everything's going well with the lessons. And the lessons are actually formed if you want to do it that way. You almost have to. Right. Probably. I always did that way unless I knew that the kid was doing something that was really structured. Mm -hmm. The internship, I kind of had a packet of things I wanted to see him do with it. And, and that, that way it didn't leave it up to their boss because their boss really doesn't know what to do with it or their mentor or whoever they're working with. Yeah. So yeah, they don't, <laughs> they kind of like, know what? So we have okay. to tell them. Yeah. Okay. So we're through that component and, and I know we can spend at least one episode just going through business. And, oh, just throwing how ideas to up. Yeah, how to develop the business. Um, one of the yeah. best ways to do the business though, is actually put together a packet about your program what you want, what are your goals, and some kind of a simple contract with them and just go out there and pitch it to them and have your business card and just meeting with them because they're fascinated, they're interested. It also looks good for them. And for some of the bigger ones, it's a tax write-off. So um, they, there may be some tax incentives for them to do it. Did everybody hear, everybody hear about that tax write-off thing? I'm sorry. <laughs> but they're there it's it's also a really good advertising it for is. this so and for some of the small businesses they really need the help they really do um but the next thing that we want to look at is are your students going to have to volunteer and just going out into the community because your students might have to volunteer let's say that they need to volunteer 10 to 15 hours a quarter because, because if you are a community-centered program, then your students need to give back to the community because if they're getting something from the community, yeah. and it really doesn't hurt. Um, and so some of the ways that you can do that would be you could do Adopt a Highway, and maybe you do that twice a year, three times a year, and you go out there with the students, and you talk to the Department of Transportation. They will help you. Um, you go out there and you clean the streets. Um, maybe you have kids who go in on holidays and they work with Meals on Wheels. Maybe they are able to go in and um, work with an activity director at one of the senior centers in memory care or something like that. But it needs to be genuinely doing that. No, working for your parents for free is not volunteering. <laughs> no, no. No, going to your buddy's house and helping them paint their house isn't volunteering. However, going to your buddy's grandmother's house and helping paint her house because she couldn't possibly do it. And right. you helping him and her is right. definitely or, community service. Yes. Or if there's, if there's an older person who lives on your street and their mm -hmm. yard looks really tacky and yeah. natty and, sh and, and just run down really shoddy. Mm -hmm. 
go over there and talk to them and maybe you can get some friends and they can do something like that. Yeah, some people are really, really shy and they don't want to go volunteer or ask somebody if they can volunteer. That's mm -hmm. the last thing they want to do, but they would do anything for someone they know, like their next door neighbor who's old and can't do things. They do that all the time and that counts. And, and they do things in church and that counts and you know, all kinds mm -hmm. of stuff. So, right. Church yeah. works if you're doing something, if you're in scouting or something. Yeah, scouts would, do too. Yeah. That would work if yeah. you are doing something because you have to do some kind of a clothing drive or something because mm -hmm. for another organization at the school, that works as well. If you're doing something yeah. at the library. I mean, the, the, what it is is coming out of yourself and doing something for other people in, in a sort of selfless kind of way. Because what that does is that helps generate more community. And so what we had our kids do was in order for them to even enter our program, they had to sign a contract that stated that they would do this and that they would have all those volunteer hours done and completed every quarter by before the end of the quarter. And we would get, we would have requests from different schools because they would have a parent night. Um, can you send us over some students who might be able to watch the kids tonight and just sort of tutor them for like three, four hours. And the kids would say, yeah, I'm up for it. Um, and there's some other opportunities that we're going to talk about a little bit later here, but, yeah. So, and working in the parks, um, doing things there, but you need to have something that's sanctioned. So you can't just say, Billy and I went down to the park and we picked up trash for three hours yesterday, but there needs to be a form for them to fill out, um, and have somebody who supervised them who said that they actually did it going to the food bank works as well. So they can do stuff with their parents that way or with somebody else's parent. There's just a lot of ways to do it. But, you know, involving the school and involving the students in the community, aside from just bringing the community in, is also of vital importance, I think. Do you have any other ideas on? No, you covered it. Okay. The next one would be sponsorship. And that would be, well, think about it. If, if you're going to have, let's say, a sports team or something, and... You talk about the boosters at a regular high school. The boosters come along and boosters club, different businesses run the boosters. And so they donate money to help fund part of the activities and everything like that. If you can get maybe some sponsors who might be willing to uh, help you with some money in order to do specific projects that you're doing with your students. So if you already have your goals, we talked about your goals, your mission statement, all of these things, you know who your population is going to be, you have your staff. Well, why can't you bring in some sponsors? Are you beholden to them? Well, that's part of what you need to negotiate with them. Um, let's say that I am working over in, I'm going to use North Portland. Let's say that I'm working over in North Portland. I want to start a, a, a new school and everything like that. And I'm looking over at the headquarter, world headquarters for Adidas. And I can just walk over there and I can talk to them and see whether or not they're willing to help sponsor something that we have going for the kids. And how would that benefit them? Well, that's something we can brainstorm. How is that something that's going to benefit us and what they're getting? Well, they get a lot of PR for it. 
And it helps us because we're not necessarily going to be running with a lot of money. Because if you listen to the episode on funding equity, you know, alternative. And if you listen to Between Two States, you know that alternative programs require more money to run and are usually less likely to have enough money to run for the services that their student and for everything else that their students need. So bringing in corporations, but making sure that you have the right corporation that fits with you and you're doing it for the right reasons and they're doing it for the right reasons might be something that you really want to look at. And maybe they can, maybe they're willing to give you something. I know that we had some sponsorships from a major uh, producer of, of projectors who would give us televisions and they would give us whiteboards and they would give us all kinds of things. Of course, they were just slightly outdated. They were last year's model. But you know what? Last year's model still works. So we took those things. Yeah, really. And, um, you know, you just don't look a gift horse in the mouth. So getting something like a sponsorship might be some might be a way for you to actually get the community involved and maybe they have some really good ideas. Think of it as kind of an informational interview when you go in there too. Uh, the same thing with getting uh, internships. If you're going to look at internships or involve the businesses in there. So, and then the next thing that we're going to look at is going to be mentorships. How could you use a mentor or how could you bring in mentors into your program to help the students? I'm like, for example, would you have mentors who came in and started talking to your kids? Let's say that people who have time to come out of their job to speak to the students and just explain to them, let's say, let's talk about the trades. Let's say that it has something to do with HVAC and installing furnaces, air conditioning, all that. Well, they could come in and they could tell them, hey, look, this is what we're doing. It's They're almost doing a sales job because they pretty much are desperate for workers right now, too. And so just so that you know, there was a deal that we were trying to get going um, before I left. And they there was a network of, of heating and cooling companies, and they were going to work with students and put them on an internship. And if they worked with them, the kids would going to be able to get their certification without having to go to community college. You mean left for pandemic, right? Before were, I retired. Well, oh, yeah. Oh, before you were, oh, yeah. And then, and then before I left. Yeah, pandemic and then there. Oh, yeah. Um, I believe you told me this story. And you said, right. Yeah, this kind of set up in the pandemic to shut it down quick. Well, it did. Right. Yeah. And so they would still love to do uh, something like I hate, that. I, you, I remember it distinctly because I had this big winds of, ugh, inside. Like, no, yeah. no. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. a sweet deal. Because if you have an internship that pays that well out of high school, you set yourself up nicely to then go a few years into your 20s and go, maybe I don't want to do this my whole <laughs> life, but I can still, uh, I still have time and I can kind of figure it out for a few and then do something else. It's a nice way to start. Right. right. And then you might before. also bring in, <laughs> I know that where I used to work, um, right down the street, there was a, there was a steel company, a foundry. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And, you know, just trying to get people to come in and just talk to the kids about working, doing steel working, doing 
different kinds of welding. Some of the kids were interested in it. Not all of them were. But when you bring in a mentor, not all the kids are going to want to be with that one mentor. So you're going to have to figure out who would be appropriate and then look around your community to figure out what would be the best. One one of the points to remember, you're kind of competing with the military, too. The military has a publicity department. You know, that ad, you know, be one of the the few, the proud. That's that's an advertising department that goes on the TV and says, hey, young man, young lady, we have a thing for you. It's called the Marines. And they don't know anything about the foundry or HVAC or or any, you know, being an electrician, but they do know about the military. So it's kind of up to us to bring that in and say, hey, there's other things, too. Right, right. And so, but. The thing is, is that the military is actually down. They're desperate yeah. for recruits right now. And they're, uh, yeah, they're, I knew that too. They're I way down on their numbers. So, so they, they're, I'm, what I'm saying is they're kind of the only thing that advertises, you know, to high schoolers, except for college. College will advertise and the military advertises, but there's not a big push. Oh, and then, of right. course, the sham colleges mm-hmm. that turned out to be kind of like the useless. Well, degrees. I think they're pretty gone. They um, are kind of pretty gone. The one thing I didn't mention was the number of kids who are into auto body. Yeah. And into cars, into cars. I mean, hey, there's a mint to be made out there. And it it doesn't. Cars have always been that way, too. And it seemed to disappear, but it never did. No. It just sort of got Mm de-emphasized. It's amazing. Now, there are some. There are a lot of companies. I mean, dealerships might allow your students to shadow. But if you think about it, would you let little Johnny or little Judy play on play on a customer's engine and start doing things with it um, and, ex- and assume that liability? So probably a lot of shadowing. Maybe you're going to let them do things, but it's under major, major supervision. I'm thinking... It's so established. Unless you know somebody and they trust you, you can't really get into a garage, I think. I mean, oh. I know that there's junior college training and it's highly, it's just not something you can do anymore off the cuff. Well, we were able to do it. Oh, at Tiger, you had, a, or I'm sorry, at that one school. Anyway, yeah, you had a department, didn't you? That worked it? Well, we had an auto body department, but they yeah. weren't the, but it was, those weren't the kids that went out there. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying back in the day, it was a lot more likely, but I think now these days, right. it's just, so, there's, it's so much more complicated, but that's not the point. The point is, is that there's so many more people that are more highly trained. There's no more like self-trained gearheads per se. Well, here's how bad it is right now, mm-hmm. is that we had the head of the garage come out from one dealership, begging our kids mm-hmm. to come to work for them and to start doing things because they were going to train them for their certifications that would be quite another opportunity again Jeez, but man. the students had to commit to it yeah well yeah you could just give them a certification and if there's one thing it. the interesting thing is that the kids are like wow except that one dirty word came up and that was commitment yeah. because they weren't quite sure now the same garage we had tons of kids who went to work there and they're still there and they've done very well yeah, you will do sometimes very well, right. starting from high school and staying in a job. I knew a person in my high school started in the warehouse of a, a fledgling company called Nike in Beaverton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was maybe that company's maybe six years old. He, what year was that? 
78. He was working in the warehouse in 1976. And as you know, 1972 is when Nike was founded. He was like one of the, like what, he's a triple digit employee. Let's put it that way. And he just worked himself up the ladder. Just out of curiosity, was he still at, was he still at the warehouse in 78? He might've been. Yeah. He was a high schooler. We graduated together. What's his name? Barada. John Barada. I don't think I knew him. Yeah, yeah. I worked at Nike in the warehouse in the seventies. Talk about lucky! <laughs> I, I stayed. It's like, oh, you win, young man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, so he, just kind of curious. Well. Yeah, he just yeah. Okay, so moving into the last but biggest component, and this is what is really going to get everything going and that's going to be well it's almost it it there's different components to it but the last one are the parents how are you going to involve the parents in there because we've had a lot of media lately about how bad parents are and all these terrible things that parents are doing um with there's also media about all these terrible things that school boards are doing that are making parents angry and so basically parents are scared and that's why they're so angry and that's why they're reacting. They don't yeah. know what's going on. So you open your doors, you let them in. You have classes for parents. Have you thought about this? Bring parents in because we do have a lot of parents who can't read or write or their skills are pretty low. So why don't we have classes for them in the evenings? Why don't we have some kind of a supplement for them? And the businesses would love that too. I mean... We want a ready workforce, right? Well, we have a workforce, but not everybody is quite ready. So let's get them, let's get, let's give everybody an opportunity and better their opportunities because a happy parent is a happy child. And if you have a parent who's invested and is getting something there at the school and they're getting they're they're learning something maybe it maybe all they want to do is take a computer class and they learn about computers and you can. Teach them all about how to get online so that they can see just how little Johnny and Judy are doing. And um, I've often thought that way, but it, it's a, my way of thinking about it extended about 10 steps further. Just, But I think you're right. You know, an evening sort of venue where you could. Right. Or even open the doors to the public. The thing about the schools, I, when you were saying that, was that we operate while the parents are, most of the parents are doing their thing. Right. You know, so they can't take a day off work to come hang out. And I, honestly, right. while I'm doing my job, I don't want a parent in my classroom. It's just the relationship I have with my students. I don't, it doesn't, it, there's no room for the relationship at the parent and the students and everything. You know, it's a dynamic that's not good, but exactly. I do want the school open to the right. parents themselves. So how do you do that? Well, you open up the hours. You open up the hours for yeah. the parents to be able to come in and be able to do things. Now and, and you give it classes and, and make it more of a community-centered place, right? So I that in the that evenings was a good thing to do with schools, yeah. So in the evenings, maybe you have a night school for some of your students because yeah. some of them might. Let's say that 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 Johnny or Judy they have to work and they work until maybe two or three o'clock in the morning. Oh and yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember, they're not supposed to have to work past ten o'clock child labor laws ha, ha, ha. Uh, let's talk reality here they might be working really late or else they're just up late and so they sleep in and then they come into school 
and maybe they don't start school until maybe 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And they're there until maybe 6 o'clock. At 6 o'clock, the parents can start coming in, and that's when you have students who might want to volunteer, students who are good at something, they might be able to provide the child care. They might be able to start tutoring some of the younger ones and get them going on reading. Maybe they can help them with some of their homework that they need to get done. So you start creating a place where parents feel taken care of, that they're learning, they're a part of it, and they have pride and they want their children to have pride in it as well. So you're getting this. Now, this is only going to happen as long as you have an administrator and a staff who are willing to back all of this up and have the whole thing taken care of. Maybe you also have Saturday school. Who's teaching these classes? Maybe you have an ELL class for the parents twice a week. And who's going to teach that? Have you thought about reaching out to the different colleges and universities that have a TOEFL program? Well, how hire me. Teaching of English as a foreign language. I say that because hire me because I was actually hired for an evening school program when I first started. And I no. did it from five to, we did it. So for that kid, the kids that couldn't come during the day, they just made an evening school program. I did it from five. If you would like Philip to come work for you, please send us an email at educationaltriage you know, at I mean, gmail.com. We, it was an evening school program. They hired a teacher to do it. And so, because they needed that Philip, slot open. So Philip, cool. stop. They got the gist. And, and tell us that you want Philip to submit um, an application with a resume and give us the deets and Philip will be more than happy to shoot that to you. He's a free man now. Oh, um, yeah, it was a great program. Um, but no, so you you're got, right. School should be centered. Pro there should be community open. You know, after, after the kids leave, it should be open to the public and flexible right. as all get out. Maybe you don't have a need for, um, maybe, ELL, maybe, maybe you have a need for something else. Why don't you just shift it over? Yeah. Why don't you have, why don't you have, well, if you have these people who are doing internships from the university or colleges yeah. and they're getting hours for it. So it's, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You That's don't necessarily need to pay them for it, but they're getting the, they're getting some kind of a supervised, mm -hmm. um, credit for it. And then uh, you also sure. might, and the parents can be learning about contracts. They can be learning all kinds of stuff in those classes so it's not only relevant so they're not learning hi how are you blah 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 they already most of them already know that yeah they need they need stuff that's really going to take real school away. stuff i mean yeah school should be school stuff it's not right. just little, little little fun classes it's school it's class yeah. right school, school. and so it's is staff yeah. expected to teach these no because you'll get no. other people from the community yeah. what about the computer you might actually have kids who are well versed in the computer and this gives them really good 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 skills and this is awesome for the resume where they can be teaching it community, now, community service exactly so yeah. here's another thing that goes with that and this has been proven and this has been proven in closing the achievement gap you do something like this and you have the parents there and you have the parents involved and of course you might have these if, if you have people who demand that they're going to volunteer for this um, that's, I'm going to let you, you choose your own path on that. I have my own views on that because I have a system where I want to know who's going to do it. And usually the people who really want to volunteer turn out to be the biggest disaster. And I may be wrong, but they have been proven to be the biggest disaster. And the people who have the biggest and most 
destructive attitudes about everything that's happening, and they are the hardest ones to rein in when they go off the rails. So you need to have everything that's going, and you want to make sure that you know how things are clogging along, right? So then you also want to make sure that if you can get medical and mental services in there as well, because if you can take care of, if the parents can come in in the evenings and they can take care of those things at that time and maybe on Saturday, maybe that's when the dental van, because I know that there's a lot of people, there, there's some dental services that come around in a van. Maybe they can come around like once or twice a month and they can do that. And so you can take care of those things at the same time. Make the school a place where learning happens and that the whole child, the whole person, the whole family is taken care of. And that's building a community. And that's yeah, building yeah. a place where everybody is getting something and you are working together. And you will find that you have more goodwill happening from that. It takes a lot of footwork to get it going. But once you have people who buy into it and you have the right committed players to it, you can get the sponsorships from the different businesses. You can get more businesses involved. You can get more monies this way. There are grants that are out there. You can do really, really well. So you want the parents involved. I don't care if they're white, black, brown, yellow, red, whatever. Step. You want them all. Half. Grand. We don't care. You know, that's you took it the 10 steps further. I wasn't going to get it that deep, but I've always thought about it. I wish schools were community centers. I wish they were after the kids left, they'd be, well, the kid, you know, like the parents could come in and then they'd value the school because their kids go there and they go there. But mm -hmm. then it was open later and it was sort of an open door policy. And, and mm -hmm. it was more than just, you know, oh, you go to the school and I go to work and I don't know what the heck you do. <laughs> what is it right. you do during the day? You know, I used to drop my kids off at school and kind of, I'd say, go learn something, <laughs> you know, just kind of sarcastically like, I'll see you later. Because <laughs> well, once you go in there, you're just doing it. You know? Well, it takes away that it takes away the um, the mask of being a daycare center. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. It actually becomes something that's vibrant, something that's living, mm -hmm. and it makes it its own ecosystem that the parents are also involved in. And there may be mm -hmm. parents who just don't have the energy or the wherewithal to be able to get in there, but those are the ones who you can talk to. You could yeah. also open up on the weekends. For that, and you could have um, parents who teach workshops because there are parents out there who want to teach how to do certain kinds of cooking. They want to do different kinds of arts and crafts. They, you know, you could have all these things going. And maybe it's not necessarily with one specific migrant or one specific minority or majority group. You could have all kinds of things are. that go yeah. on. So yeah. the parents, believe it or not, but the parents are desperate for this kind of involvement. Especially even at the high school where I used to work, the parents really wanted to do this. And the administrators stomped on it. Yeah. Because they didn't, that because they wanted to be in control. Yeah, well, you know, to, to really lead well, you have to know when to let go of control and know that you still have control. <laughs> you know, you have to know where your limits are and your expertise and, 
and to allow people to express theirs and make things better for all. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, let me read you this. This is the paradox of letting go. This is from the Tao of Leadership. When I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. When I let go of what I have, I receive what I need. These are feminine or yin paradoxes. By yielding, I endure. The empty space is filled. When I give of myself, I become more. When I feel most destroyed, I am about to grow. When I desire nothing, a great deal comes to me. This is all from the Tao of Leadership, and that's only part of that. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's oh. by John Hyder. It's a wonderful book. I've had several people give it to me, um, and I keep it close to me, and I've given it away as gifts to a lot of people. But um, I think, I believe that once we take ego out of what we're doing, and if we look at what's going to benefit the whole, rather than what benefits us, we ourselves are taking care of. I agree totally. Sometimes hard to see. It is. Always the truth. It is. But that one of the most uh, one of the most wonderful things or outcomes from doing a program like this where the community is so involved is that they found that the achievement gap began to narrow and it narrowed and it narrowed and it finally came down and this happened by 2009, 2010, I, maybe it was even earlier than that, they were finding that they had closed the achievement gap with, I remember, one or two schools down in San Diego. And there were a few other schools throughout the country who were able to accomplish this. Where they are right now, it's hard to say because new people come in with new ideas and, you know, they kind of muddy up the waters. But um, I haven't seen anything from those schools since. And I was trying to find the documents that I have because I unearthed them the other day and I cannot find them now um, <laughs> while I'm doing my death cleaning. Um, it's, it's absolutely amazing because one of the things that we really want for all of our students in alternative ed and in mainstream is that they are able to be successful and achieve and that we close that achievement gap so that everybody has a strong foothold once they walk out that door with that cap and gown. Am I not correct? You got to give them the best chance to be the best them. Exactly. And they're yeah. not all going to be the same. And so mm -hmm. this whole idea of conformity um, is a pile of rot. So if everybody's going to conform, mm -hmm. then there's not going to be anything new. There's not going to be anything great. And uh, yeah. So we need to do that. We need to encourage our students to be, we need them to be the little rugrats that they are sometimes because that's their spirit. We want yeah. their spirit to continue. We have to remember that we were once those little rugrats too. Indeed. Indeed. And I think that's what frightens some people is they see themselves in those kids. And so sometimes mm -hmm. I just have to laugh. Other times I brace myself. Yeah, I never say it to the kids. Yeah, I was I was worse than you. <laughs> I never say it, but I do say I was worse than you. Sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> I kind of silently apologize to my parents quite a bit. So. <laughs> you know, 
you know, I look at parents today and I look at my parents and I think, wow, my parents were so incredibly tolerant compared to parents from today. But the, uh, but their expectations were very different than a lot of parents today. So it's it's and I'm I'm not going to get into that because I don't want people giving me the stink eye. But we were not allowed to watch TV. On school nights, we got if um, we had to prove that our homework was done, we had to do some reading, and then we got a half hour of TV before we went to bed. If we, and that was after we browbeat them. Yeah, I'll browbeat them. And we got one hour on Sundays, and um, Saturday and Friday and Saturday nights, they my parents were usually going out, so we controlled the television. Yeah. I- I don't. I don't try to compare the way I grew up to the way it is now because it's totally different. Oh, it's so different. <laughs> it's we didn't just, have the computers. Oh yeah, there's and, we had and the, four, three channels, man. Three, yeah, three, four. Oh yeah. I I mean, if kids tried to do the things that we did, I mean, we would grab our money and we would run through down the dark streets, yeah. and then run through the woods, and then we'd pop out on the highway. <laughs> right. And then we would run as fast as we could across the highway to the to the store. They didn't even make bicycle helmets. You couldn't buy one. No one made one. They weren't made. We were. (laughs) See, we were just running in our little Teds, right? And then like seatbelts and cars. Uh, uh. We went over the back seat into the back of the station wagon, back again. And the parents said, "Quit doing that." We go, "No, it's fun." And we go moving (laughs) back in the gap. You'd stand surf in vans right. and the big folks in vans. And the station wagons were yeah. right there in the back. And when it That's stopped, it. everything kind of careened forward. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. it was like how we lived. I or the rumble not. seat. Do you remember the rumble seat in yeah, the station wagon? Yeah, the Vista Cruisers. The Buick yeah. Vista Cruiser had the rumble seat. And I was really jealous because our neighbors had one. We just had the back. Chevy Bel Air with the back that was flat. So it wasn't very fun to go back over the back seat and into, but theirs was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the last time I rode in one of those was around 1973, maybe 74. Sounds about right. Yeah, 73. I think, I think we drove down to yeah. some tiny little town in way over in eastern Oregon. Way over in eastern Oregon, yeah. near the border. And um, my parents' friends, they were sheep sheep ranchers. Oh, well, there you go. And so we, so we sat back there just with all the dirt coming up. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Good times. <laughs> Seriously. Good times but we had our fatalities. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. We lived. Okay. So we've, I think we pretty much covered this for this week. Have a wonderful week and we will see you then. Goodbye, Philip. Happy fall. Aloha. And... For all of you, remember to subscribe and leave us a review. That helps the algorithm to help other people find us. And we are growing, which is really kind of nice. So thank you all for doing that. And please do reach out to us. And we are out.